Welcome to the Disney View Podcast. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer. He's a one-time cast member, and he's been to Disney World literally hundreds of times. Listen in as he talks about one of his favorite things, the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, and occasionally beyond the Orlando theme park. And now, here's your host. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to tell you the story about my recent trip up to the world. And it turns out my best friend, who I haven't actually seen in, oh, it's probably about seven, maybe even eight years. Wow, can't believe it's been that long. Uh, he lives up in Maine, and uh, he doesn't get down to Florida very often, and certainly I don't uh, travel up to Maine very often. So we haven't had an opportunity to have our paths cross in a while. We've talked on the phone, we email, we instant message, we text message. We're, you know, we're still in close contact. We just don't see each other very often. So he tells me he wants to bring his daughter down and come to uh, Disney World. He came down with only his daughter and himself for a kind of a short trip. He wanted to go to uh, Universal for a day or so and uh, Disney for a day or so. His daughter had never been to the Magic Kingdom, and she's 11. I know. How deprived. But uh, he asked me if I wanted to come up and meet him and bring any of my kids and just have some fun. Well, it was coming on a Monday, so it was going to be hard to get my kids out of school uh, just to be able to get them up there and go to the Magic Kingdom for a day. So I uh, went up by myself and headed up to Orlando just to meet up with him. Now, I'm no park commando. I'm not the kind of person who goes crazy and tries to visit every attraction I possibly can. But I promised him that he would get to see as much as we could possibly do, the three of us, throughout the day. So uh, I asked him uh, what his daughter would like to do, whether she wanted to dine with characters, whether she wanted to go and have some fun meeting some characters so I could prepare for all that stuff, what attractions she would really like, and so forth. So... I knew that she wanted to see the parades and the fireworks. That was the important stuff. So I set it all up and started to plan up the, uh, the little mini vacation here so I could have a little fun with them and they could see the maximum. And at the end of it, I'll start with this. My friend actually said, wow, it was like um, seeing Disney with our own personal tour guide, Dave, because I took them around and showed them literally as much as they wanted to see. We got there when the rope dropped. We were there at about 8.30, 8.45 in the morning, standing in front of the Magic Kingdom. Rope dropped at 9.00. The uh, park closed at 11. We left at just about 11, maybe 11.15. And in that time, we saw every attraction we wanted to see. We saw uh, all the shows we wanted to see. And we did pretty much everything that was on their list to do. We saw the fireworks. We saw the parade. We saw uh, pretty much everything. It was a really remarkable day. The crowd level was maybe, oh, if you were on a 10-point scale, maybe a 5 or a 6. And uh, as I walked around and showed them different things, the key was to kind of hit things at the right times. It's being smart about it, not having to crisscross the parks that we did that once or twice. Uh, we actually were able to get, a, get around pretty easily, still make it back in time to have lunch with Pooh and friends, which was fun, and uh, be able to go around and really just kind of enjoy ourselves and take it all in. So, uh, you know, honestly, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad was closed. So we missed that. The train had a technical difficulty, so we missed that. Um, but otherwise, I can't think of a single thing that we missed in the entirety of the day we were there. Uh, we didn't ride Dumbo, the Magic Carpets of Aladdin, or the uh, Star Jets. Uh, his daughter wasn't interested in any of the three of those. But uh, we had a chance to ride um, everything at least once. We rode a couple of things more than once. I used the trick of get a fast pass but stand in the line for the same attraction. So we did that for Buzz Lightyear. Went in and actually went around Buzz Lightyear once. Got off, realized our fast pass still wasn't for another 15 minutes. So we got in line a second time, rode it a second time, 
and then used our fast pass to ride it a third time, which she loved. She thought that was just the greatest because her friends had told her how much fun Buzz was. And wouldn't you know it, my friend is playing, and he gets 999,999. What the heck? <laughs> How'd that happen? I can't figure out why, how in the world he got it. Uh, the ride did stop for a moment, but I was in the car with him, and I couldn't hit the same targets he hit. I don't understand. But literally, it was so much fun. He was just having so much fun doing it, and he was just laughing and hooting it up and just, you know, just having a great time. And, of course, we had some great interactions with cast members along the way, too. I had given his daughter a pin to commemorate her trip and encouraged her to trade it. She was a little shy about talking to cast members, but every time we'd see one, I'd walk up to one and walk up to them and say, "Hey, she'd like to trade pins. Can you, can she see your pins?" And they'd always hold them out. She's like, "No, I don't see one I like." And she was fine. I was fine with that. She'll uh, keep the one I gave her, I guess, and take it home with her. And that's great. I'm very happy she had that and she has that experience. Uh, we also took the time to talk to cast members and have a little fun with cast members. Uh, when my friend was buying his um, his merchandise at the end of the evening, the souvenirs to take home, there was the cast member was joking around with him about. Uh, my friend asked, "Where's the bathroom?" And the, the guy started joking about it. Epcot. And he goes, "No, really." He goes behind the tree over there, and it was just fun. It was just really funny because it was you know one of those impromptu moments that you love when you're a guest in the park and as a cast member, you absolutely love it. I also got a chance, of course, to interact with some cast members in the Emporium as my friend was shopping. Uh, got to uh, do the secret cast member handshake and everything. Uh, but it was fun because, you know, I was telling stories about what it was like when I worked there back in the early 1990s. So, you know, it's been almost 20 years now. And it was really, it's very different now. You know, Center Street is gone. The entire side of the street is part of the Emporium. It used to be there was the Emporium, went up to Center Street. Then there were two shops and then it was Casey's Corner. Now it's just one big store all the way up to Casey's Corner. It's unbelievable, <laughs> just the way it's changed. And he goes, yeah, you work either end of the shop, they sent you in the whole, the whole thing. And I'm like, wow, it really has changed. But it was fun just to chat with him for a little while and have the experience, you know, remember what the experience was like for me and maybe share a couple of stories about uh, what, it, what it was like for me as he was telling me what it's like for him. But it was uh, really, really fun. Uh, he was able to get all his purchases done. I gave his daughter the choice of how she wanted to get around, whether she wanted to use the uh, monorail or the, uh, the ferry boat. And not surprisingly, she picked the monorail. I mean, who wouldn't? The monorail is just so cool. My friend said he remembered coming there as a child, and he saw it, and he's like, wow, the monorail is the coolest thing. And he goes, no, it's okay. You know, it's interesting, but it's not all that. And I'm like, I feel you. I know what you're saying. But uh, he's not the Disney fan that I am, so I certainly get it. We really did go around and see almost everything. I mean, we really uh, were able to take on the park just by being smart and uh, picking the right times to go to things. So we, uh, we got a few fast passes to the more challenging rides. So, for example, we got fast passes to Peter Pan and then also for uh, the uh, Space Mountain ride to make sure that we had enough time to get there. Now, Space Mountain was kind of a funny story because they wanted to see the parade at uh, 9 o'clock. They wanted to be able to ride uh, Space Mountain, and our fast pass was from 9.50 or 8.50 to 9.50. And then uh, they wanted to make sure they saw the fireworks at 10. So <laughs> this was a real challenge. We were over in Liberty Square uh, just, about, just about the time the parade started. So we watched the parade from in front of the Hall of Presidents and saw the parade go by. Then we made a mad dash across the park over to Space Mountain. So we made it to Space Mountain about 9.35, 9.40, something like that little challenge because of the crowd on Main Street waiting for the magic memories in you. Made it into Space Mountain, made it off of Space Mountain at like 9.58, so we're able to get outside of Space Mountain, sit right down and watch the fireworks right there. <laughs> it was just incredible. And we got a great seat, fireworks were great, and we had a great time. And, but my friend was just so like, wow, how did we manage to time that? And I go, ah, that's just me. That's just how I am. That's how I roll. It really was a bit of luck, I admit that. But uh, it worked out pretty well. It was very tight, but it worked out really well for us, and we were able to get it all done.
Uh, so I think he had a great time and, uh, you know, really had a lot of fun just doing different things and going around with them and joking around and catching up with my friend while we were enjoying the Magic Kingdom together. So if any of you are interested in learning more about how I made it through the park in that kind of time and what I was able to do, I'll give you a couple of quick tips. Remember, everyone is right-handed when they come in the park. They tend to go to Tomorrowland and work their way back around, uh, going in a counterclockwise motion. But if you actually go first to Adventureland and work your way around in a clockwise motion, you'll uh, kind of be defeating the crowds in some way. Also, you want to maximize the time that you can get out there uh, when it's... Um, when there's other events going on, stage shows, uh, different events that are going on. If you don't mind missing the afternoon parade, you uh, get some benefit from that. Uh, if you happen to be want to go and miss the earlier parade and go on some of the attractions and then catch the later parade if they happen to have two, that's a tip. If anyone, anyone would like more specific tips, feel free to email me. It's davesdisneyview at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to uh, give you some specific tips as well. Now, we did have a chance to eat at the Crystal Palace and have the uh, lunch with Pooh and friends, and that was a lot of fun. That's, that's one of those fun and entertaining meals where you just kind of sit there. The food is always good and plentiful, and it really becomes like more than one meal. If you kind of time it right, you can kind of either uh, have a brunch sort of thing where you eat a, eat a lot and don't need to get until late in the day, or you have a late lunch sort of a thing, in which case you really don't eat dinner. And that's what we chose to do in this case, and it was really pretty good. So we went over to the Main Street Bakery in the morning, got some breads and stuff, and then came over and had the Crystal Palace Buffet, and the food was really plentiful and good, nice salads and some nice uh, dishes. They had a couple of different uh, things that were really, really tasty, and uh, I always enjoy that. You always find one or two things that you really like. But I will tell you that the kids get so distracted, even my friend's daughter, she got so distracted by the characters coming around that I think she really just ate you know, a couple of uh, desserts and different things that uh, really you know, didn't, didn't really make it worthwhile, but the experience is so much fun. And uh, it's another rec restaurant that I really highly recommend, especially in the heat of the day. It's a great way to take a break from the uh, parks and just have a little fun and sit down and relax. Now, my friend actually was pointing out something to me. As a Disney long-timer, I never really stopped and thought about it, but after he made his comment, it made a lot of sense to me. He had comments about three attractions and sort of their political incorrectness, if you will, and kind of how they have a kitschy nature to them. The first is the Enchanted Tiki Room. When he started to uh, look at the way the Jose came out and he had this car almost caricature accent and was saying things wrong, he thought, wow, it was almost in your face the way, you know, you wouldn't have a Hispanic necessarily doing the voice and kind of correcting for some of the mispronunciations and things that go on. The second was in the Peter Pan ride. Uh, the depiction of American Indians is definitely 1950s-ish in the way that it presents them and shows them as, as red men and, you know, sort of the way they are. Now, of course, that's the way the movie presented them. So there's really nothing you can do about it. And, of course, the ride has been around since the 70s, so you really can't make a lot of changes to that because it detracts from the overall experience of the movie. But I see his point. It was an interesting thing to look at and realize that it's changed a lot in there. Then the third was in the Carousel of Progress. In the Carousel of Progress, the way they present the family, the father gets a little more arrogant and comes off as a little bit of a jerk. And the way he treats his family is kind of interesting. Now, it's a depiction of the past through the eyes of the 1950s or early 60s. And then kind of looking forward into the 70s, they kind of kind of reshape the end piece just a little bit, but it still kind of lacks the actual correctness and the, the right lens to look at the way this family was. So it has that certain kitschy nature to it that I think still works, but I see his point that it kind of misrepresented American society throughout the years. But it was a depiction that worked in the 60s, and I think it's a nice kind of bring everything back with Walt's view. And it still works. It's just it kind of loses something in the translation because it was actually made 45 or 50 years ago. And now for the second part of the podcast. 
the reason that my friend took the trip in the first place. You see, my friend has a son that's autistic, and he wanted to kind of scope it out and see whether things would be right for his son at either Universal or at Disney World to make a determination about making a family trip with him. Now, some of you may not be familiar with what autism is, so let me try and describe it for you. And I'm going to read from the AutismSpeaks.org website. Autism and uh, autism spectrum disorder are both general terms for a group of complex disorders of brain development. These disorders are characterized in varying degrees by difficulties in social interaction, verbal and nonverbal communications, and repetitive behaviors. They include autistic disorder, Rett syndrome, childhood disintegrative disorder, pervasive development disorder, not otherwise specified, and Asperger syndrome. ASD can be associated with intellectual disability, difficulties in motor coordination, and attention and physical health issues such as sleep and gastrointestinal disturbances. Some persons with ASD excel in visual skills, music, and math and art. Autism appears to have its own roots in very early brain development. However, the most obvious signs of autism and symptoms of autism tend to emerge between two and three years of age. Autism Speaks continues to fund research on effective methods for earlier diagnosis as early intervention and proven behavioral therapies can improve outcomes. Increasing autism awareness is a key aspect of this work and one in which our families and volunteers play an invaluable role. So, now that you know what it is, let me try and bring it all back in focus for you. You see, my friend has a son with autism. My friend has an interest in going to Disney World and taking his son there. And I see the connection coming together for me. One thing this podcast has been lacking over its hundred or so episodes is this ability to find a way to have some personal connection to some charity or something that does some greater good. So what I'd like to do is bring some awareness through this podcast to autism and autism-related uh, disorders. And in doing so, what I'd like to do is promote a charity, and that would be AutismSpeaks.org, and encourage you to donate to them, whether you donate your time, your money, whatever you'd like, to try and help them. You can find a link to them over in my show notes and over at my website at DisneyPodcast.net. I'm going to be promoting this as the charity of choice. Look, I figure we need to have a social conscience. I have a podcast that reaches thousands of people, and there's a great opportunity here to have a little bit of a social conscience. Plus, there's an additional benefit here. Disney does a very good job of accommodating guests of different needs and disabilities and so forth. In fact, I've heard it called its disabilities because they use the word Disney in it. It's sort of a, a, a running, not joke, but sort of a running theme that Disney treats everyone equally. Now, the challenge is when you have someone, when you have a child who has autism, it's a broad range of different things that autism brings. So you have to know your child and understand what your child can do and whether they should be taken to a theme park or not. Look, some kids need that repetitive nature. Some kids would love some of the shows and the rides. But certainly some of these kids will freak out when they get to the queues because they're a little bit daunting and overwhelming. The crowds may throw them off. So you need to know your child and be able to uh, ascertain how much they can do and what they should be able to do. Now here's the other part to my reason for bringing this up. I understand through my friend and through other people I've talked to that Universal Studios is phenomenal in dealing with kids with autism. They will do... Whatever you need to support you, uh, they will bend over backwards to help you. They will try and make accommodations as much as they possibly can. Disney, not quite as much. Disney does a very good job, but Universal does an excellent job. And I know that sounds unusual because that, that doesn't happen that often. You don't hear about Disney kind of falling behind Universal in one way or another. So what I'd like to do, so the other part to what I want to do, is to use this podcast as a means to try and encourage Disney to provide more 
assistance to people who have uh, autistic needs, to become more aware of it, to get more involved, and to be able to help guests who have these needs. Look, look, I know a lot of people who have kids, and they love going to Disney World. It's the hallmark. It's what every kid aspires to do, right? I want to go to Disney World or Disneyland. I want to go there. And kids with autism have different needs and may or may not be able to go, depending on what the parents think about their reactions to it. But I think every kid should be given an opportunity to go. And if it means that uh, Disney has to make a few more accommodations and accessible things that they do, then by all means they should, because they should be accommodating these kids. So through this podcast, I'd like to encourage that sort of behavior and just move it along a little bit further. Look, just by raising awareness, perhaps it will help Disney to accommodate just a little bit differently. So that's where I am. I think there's a tremendous opportunity here. And then my part in it is to also not only ask for donations and ask for help, but it's to kind of encourage Disney to do something a little bit differently. Now, a couple of suggestions I've heard along the way. You know, a couple of things that you want to consider if you're taking an autistic child into the parks. You want to make sure that they have some familiar things with them that you never run, that you always take a leisurely pace and do things at, at a pace that they can accommodate. That You have the ability to take a break during the day and go back to a quiet place, whether that's uh, at the, uh, if you have a small child to the baby changing station or if you have a larger child going off to uh, maybe the hotel and, and hitting the pool for a little while, but something where you can kind of reflect back and bring it back to, into focus for the child so they don't get overwhelmed and overstimulated. Uh, you also uh, may want to have a couple of movies on hand that you can show them, things that are familiar to them so they can kind of go back on their regular schedule and, and have that pattern going for them. Um, there are a number of websites out there, too, that help to identify what they are, and I'm going to list some of them on my website uh, so you can go over there and find those, uh, those sites and learn a little bit more about the aut- autism disorders. And what I'd like to encourage people to do is also to um, interact. Uh, what we can do is uh, we can set up a thread over on one of the, uh, one of the Disney, uh, Disney boards, uh, the message boards, and let people interact uh, about autism and, and let us know. So what you can do first is just, if you like, go ahead and drop me an email to davesdisneyview at gmail.com or go ahead and put some, uh, show notes under the, put some notes under the show notes. Uh, if you have some experiences or have a site you'd like to have linked, and then we can decide where we want to put the uh, um, put the discussion at some point. I just want to make sure that we're that I'm helping to promote the cause in some way. I want to make sure that we're doing some good in the community, and that Disney gets the message too and can help to some degree as well. I think there's some things they do very very well, and I want to research those a little bit more. Um, but I think there's probably some things they could do a little bit differently. So that's where I you know that's where my focus is, and I and I encourage you to uh, to contribute to autismspeaks.org as a part of my charitable cause and the thing, the, the thing that I'm trying to help out with. And that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed hearing about my life and times going through uh, Disney and, uh, with a friend and that you will contribute to the cause and uh, be a part of the solutions that for, for a child who has autism going to Disney World. And that's it for now. And remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. Thank you for taking a ride with us on the Dave's Disney View podcast. Show notes, more information about this podcast, and about other great podcasts on the web, can be found at DisneyPodcast.net. Also, you'll find some links to Dave's iPhone applications. See and share hidden Mickeys or organize your pins when you go pin trading. Our thanks go to Craig, also known as Sound of Music. Craig produced the original music you hear in this podcast. You can find Craig's work at ReverbNation.com slash SoundA. Also, 
Our thanks go to Doug at geekacres.net for his continued contributions to the show. Now, please gather your personal belongings and watch your head and step as you exit. Show number 107.